Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any health-related decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perimena Podcast. Your friends and family, they're terrified. <laughs> when we, do you remember, Suzanne, when we were first discussing the idea to do this podcast? It, it was a joke, if I mm-hmm. recall correctly. Um, we, we were talking about the names of the segments, and we were just laughing our heads off about it. And we're on a Zoom call. My husband, from the kitchen, pipes in, do one called, my husband is frightened. <laughs> I was like, Message received, babe. Here we go. I mean, I tended to forget that as I was going through all the perimenopause shit, that there were other people in my life, uh, you right. know, who were also being impacted. If I couldn't recognize myself through the mood swings, the hot flashes, the sleeplessness, the endless visits to the bathroom, why should I have expected my family to understand what was going on? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What we're going to talk about today is how to communicate to your family what you're going through, what to expect, and how they can support you. Because, damn it, you are always the one doing the supporting of everyone else, and it's time for them to step up. Mm-hmm. Right. Am I right or am I right? Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And talking about family support, I'm not necessarily an expert on this topic, because, but I'm only an expert in that I've talked to thousands of women, thousands of hours of talking one-on-one about their experiences in perimenopause, where they're feeling very out of control of their bodies and their emotions to the point that even family members are confused. So there are a lot of factors that influence this change, not just the hormones. So please bear with me while we kind of deconstruct it and dive deep. Remember that many women of this century are balancing careers, family, including aging parents and kids, hobbies, managing a household, to the point that there's very little time for self-care and reflection, especially during midlife. We all have this constant list of things to do that becomes our mantra for the day. You know, like you mentioned, we take care of the many people around us, including people in our careers and in our personal life. And not to mention uh, that women's duties, uh, in women's duties, there's often this expectation to volunteer, provide food, schedule social activities, organizing, cleanup, cooking at home, providing another layer of work that often goes unrecognized and unpaid. So a lot we have to do. This is so true. And, and, you know, we've talked, we've referenced it in other uh, episodes, but it's this 
It's this unpaid labor, mm -hmm. this emotional labor that we are constantly on. There is no turning off the switch to move on to the next thing. We're just going and going. And you know what I find ironic? You mentioned midlife and it's like, you know, when a man has a midlife crisis, he goes out and gets a sports car. Mm -hmm. We get perimenopause. <laughs> I just, I, another example of how the universe is blatantly unfair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So already we're kind of we're setting the stage for what's happening in a woman's life prior to menopause, and then throw in several months of not sleeping because you're having hot flashes and low, low hormones. So that together is a recipe for irritable moods, lack of concentration. So it makes sense, even just from that one little piece. But there's another layer of biologic effects of low hormones on the brain that's contributing to poor mood, as we discuss in the brain fog episode. So it's harder and harder for us to, to keep things straight and organized. Our list of things to do went from 10 to 5 just because we can't keep them all straight. There's a worry also that maybe this brain functioning will suffer for good, that this is maybe a permanent issue and will never function again at this optimal mental capacity, right? So it's very scary times. It feels unpredictable. Oh, I was terrified. I mean, you know, they talk about the things that happen to you, quote, as you age. And I went, you know, during perimenopause, I thought, this is aging. This this is the shit show, slow slide. And it's, ne and it's never going to end. I'm going to feel this way mm -hmm. and it's just going to get worse from here, which was a terrifying mm -hmm. idea until I actually understood, <laughs> no, there is a start and there is a finish and you got to get through that part. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So there's this, there's this layer of, uh, one layer of having already being set up with burning the candles at both end. And then there's this other layer of hormonal changes, giving you brain fog. And then another layer of societal expectations, uh, as well, where there's a perception that mood related hormone changes are extremely negative. Uh, and not worthy of treatment or attention. We, we talk about uh, women being on the rag, that they're moody during hormonal changes of periods and, and menstrual periods, or it's that time of the month. So that all has that connotation that, that it is normal for women to go a little crazy when there's hormonal changes. Maybe it's cyclical and there's nothing that can really be done about it. Uh, that just yeah, woman has to go through that. Yeah, and it's no wonder that we're not eager to express, you know, what's happening to us hormonally during perimenopause. Right. Because, hell, I couldn't even be on my period before every, any time I expressed an emotion that wasn't positive and sunshine, you know, I must be on my period, right? Mm -hmm. It's that time of the month again. Can I not get angry? Can I not get sad? Can I not have an emotion without it being blamed on that? So now that I'm here in this part of my life, and hell yeah, I can blame it on that, I'm sure I'm not going to talk about it because, again, it, it compartmentalizes and labels me as a woman who is so hormonal that, you know, I don't, I can't get along with her. <laughs> Right. You're not allowed to be assertive or angry about something without being a bitch, nope. right? Not yep, not allowed exactly. to have negative emotions. If you're if you're angry and you're assertive and you're a man, well, you're just being a, a good leader. You're just being assertive. 
Yeah. You're, you're being assertive. You're being, you're, you're taking a leadership role. Right. And if you're a woman, you're a crazy raging bitch. Right. Right. And that this is not just nowadays. This is a perception for millennia. So that's why that word you've heard of a hit, the Greek root hister, it's found in names for both women's organs and actually mental health issues too. So like hister and hysterectomy which is the uterus uh, being removed, and hysterical, which uh, is when people are going crazy. Those are... And not in the funny hysterical Right, way. yeah, in like in an off-the-handle way. way, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's something that's been kind of, the, kind of in, uh, in society for a very long time. So for a woman, like you said, to express that she's having mood-related issues that might be related to menopause, it's not encouraged. In fact, boy, kind of be afraid of that getting pointed out more and more. Uh, and it's not supported even by other women. Uh, I remember, oh. yeah, you saying before, suck it up. Uh, it's just hormones was what your doctor said. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. It was stunning, honestly. It was so. It was you know. I go in. I talk about my symptoms, and she, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you just gotta suck it up. Mm-hmm. She was a woman, and she was my age. It was amazing, amazing. An- another woman that I know. When I told her, hey, I'm doing this podcast. You know, it's about perimenopause. She goes, yeah, I didn't have any symptoms really. I mean couple of hot flashes and that was it. It was like it was some fucking contest. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like she won. <laughs> right. <laughs> because she didn't have as many symptoms. And I'm like, oh my God, we're still here. We're still here having a, some kind of a pissing match over who had fewer or more symptoms. Mm-hmm. This is banana pants. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it is a spectrum of symptoms that people go through for sure. But there is a chance that even if you don't realize that it's happening, that may, that there are changes changes happening in, in your mood and irritability that other people are noticing as well. And, and uh, opening up that conversation is probably a good idea. And, you know, what we want to do is really change the whole dialogue. Finally, just getting support and encouragement from providers and your family that during this time, you deserve some grace and resources for self-care during this time period. And that alone is helpful. That alone helps your mood to know that you're being supported and heard. Also knowing that your brain function, sleep, and mood will improve after this transition. That helps provide you some reassurance that it's not going to last forever and that you just need to weather through the changes. So talk about it to your partner, your family, and your coworkers if needed, and educate them because a lot of them probably are not aware that this might be a possibility and, and what to expect. And find your tribe, which might include people who are health practitioners, uh, maybe some online support, maybe finding books to read, maybe finding other women who are going through the same thing or who've already gone through what you've gone through. Just get yourself, make sure that you're educated about what's happening and consider medical and alternative treatments if you need to, to help you through. Yeah. And can I just say that when you're educating your friends, family, coworkers on this, I want to make sure that you're not coming at it with an apology. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, I, I am so sorry if I snap a little bit, I'm going through something here and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, 
it's not your fault. It's not you. It's me. Right. Mm-hmm. It, isn't that a thing that women would say, like, it, mm-hmm. here, let me just carry it all on my back again. Just throw it on my back. I'll mm-hmm. carry it all. And how about <laughs> it, from a fact-based, a fact-based perspective? Look, I'm having crazy hormonal changes. I'm weathering them the best I can. But how that might appear to you is this. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't slept a full night in the last three months. So I'm tired all the time. And so if I get a little cranky, if I, you know, if I feel, if I look like I'm a little distracted, I am. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to ask for is a little grace here. Right. It's interesting. Right. Did, did you hear an apology in there? Did you right. hear, Did you hear me being some kind of a supplicant or like, oh, mm-hmm. geez, this is my fault. No, fuck no. Go at it. <laughs> it's interesting how it's hard for us as women to ask for help that we're used to doing for other other people so much. And that just for to have this one year period of time where we're asking other people for help to do things, hey, take that list of grocery items we need to go to the grocery store. I mean, maybe you're already a woman who does that. You've got this figured out. But there's probably something in your life that you usually just do yourself without enlisting the help of somebody else. Or and making sure that you're educating other people about exactly what's happening, because that's not what we're taught to do at all or uh, expected to do when it comes to these kind of hormonal changes. We're used to being in control and and taking care of everybody. And this is going to be a time where you need help from other people. And you might be surprised at how how much they're, they want to help and how much they will be there for you. And you won't know until you ask. If, if it helps you think about this differently, if it helps you reframe this in your head, take out the word perimenopause and think about it, think about approaching it like you've just developed diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say, for example, that I just developed diabetes. What would I be doing? I would be going to my friends and family saying, hey, look, I have this medical condition and here are the things that I need to do differently with my diet, with my lifestyle, with my day-to-day activities, with my medications. Can you support me in that? People would be like, oh my God, of course I would, right? I'm so, I, whatever you need for me to help you to get through this, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, take out the word diabetes and plug the word perimenopause mm-hmm. in, right? right? I'm going through perimenopause right now. And what that means is I need help with this, 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 and this. You can mm-hmm. help me with that, right? I mean, it's not, they're both medical conditions. These are both your body. This is biological. Mm-hmm. This isn't something you chose. This isn't something that is optional for you that you can get through because you want to. Put it out there like it's a medical condition because it is. Right. <laughs> and if you have a hard time uh, expressing this or or you're, you, you, don't, you don't have the time to do it, remember you could also help educate your partners and fi- your partner, partner and family members by having them listen to the podcast. And then they'll say, wow, look at all these potential things that can be going on with my loved one. And I'm just going to be a little bit more understanding. That would be nice. Yeah. So I thought because I think so much of what a person's story is related to this is helpful for kind of understanding that family dynamics a little bit. I just wanted to talk about what happened for me um, during menopause and how it kind of blindsided me, even though I'm a physician and I know so much about hormones. And it was, it was that at, when I was 47 years old, I kind of had a wake-up call that forced me to stop and examine my life. I had emergency surgery for appendicitis. 
And what happened, usually people have appendicitis and they have it removed and they feel fine, uh, you know, within a few days of, uh, of recovering from surgery. But I felt chronically fatigued after that with relentless migraine headaches. And that was, that were really severe for about six months. And at that time, there was no room in my life for bed, rest, and naps. I had three kids. I had one in college. I had a senior in high school, the other in middle school, each with very busy, busy lives. I ran a family practice office with my husband. I reluctantly gave myself just a week to recover, still a suffering week, huh? from you, the day. You penciled in a week of right. I, in a week of recovery. That was stretching it because we had to reschedule like seventy patients in order for that to happen. So I reluctantly did that, uh, and I went back to work that following Monday, still having these headaches, still feeling very fatigued, and a little bit body aches, and and uh, which I thought were just related to recovering from appendicitis. Um, I had to go to back to work. I had, I had a packed schedule. So the suffering continued for months. I'd wake up at night drenched in sweat, unable to go back to sleep. My hair was falling out. I felt anxious. I had racing thoughts all the time. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What, how can I get this fixed? I sought the advice of many physicians. I saw, I saw a gynecologist. I saw a neurologist. I saw a neurosurgeon. I saw an internal medicine doctor. I saw a pulmonologist. And they all had different suggestions of what I should do. <laughs> and what was crazy <laughs> is I kept getting new diagnoses too, uh, like my chronic migraine headaches, uh, sleep apnea, uh, depression. So I started taking antidepressants. And that didn't give me complete re relief. So even as a doctor, I didn't know exactly what was happening. And you were doing alternative therapies as well, right? Right, I was. I was trying, I was doing acupuncture. Um, I was also doing some functional medicine. Um, yeah, and I, it, it, you know, just wasn't all working for me. Finally, finally, I was knew that I had totally used up my deductible. And so I was like, <laughs> what other things do I need to do? This is, this is not going to be out of pocket anymore. And I thought, let's do a whole panel of blood work that kind of digs a little deeper than the usual cholesterol blood sugar check. And I decided to check uh, hormones and an FSH, that follicle stimulating hormone that we've talked about before. And sure enough, I was in menopause. And I have to say, <laughs> I didn't mention this earlier, but... My husband texted me with the result. He's a physician too. My, sometimes he's able to see labs. He looked at it before I did and he texted it to me. It was like an aha moment for us both. <laughs> like, guess what? You're in menopause. <laughs> Maybe that explains some things. <laughs> As a side note, I have to say that it should bring a certain amount of relief to the rest of us, like peons, that physicians actually max out their deductibles as well and so, <laughs> you know they ain't run around getting free health care right right they're, that's they're, right they're all making health care decisions based on their fucking insurance right too, so it's mm, true it's in true in case you were wondering yeah and, and part of the reason i was blindsided is because i had stopped having periods many years ago i had had a surgical procedure called an ablation which we've talked about for heavy bleeding and i didn't realize that uh menopause was already starting i decided at that point that i needed needed to kind of look at things a little differently and give myself some grace. And that was the time, now it was time to slow down at work and at home and try to take on less. 
I had always exercised regularly, but I incorporated more like yin yoga, breathing exercises, and strengthening for relaxation. I did start hormones and I drank less alcohol and I turned to a counselor who helped me reevaluate my goals and dreams. And I let my family know what was going on. You know, I let them know that I think that some of this is related to some hormonal changes. It was amazing to me to, to, that the menopause had come at this busiest time of my, what seemed like the busiest time of my life. And it seemed over but I felt like it gave me a chance to step back and slow down. So interesting education as far as that story goes. And I was very happy for my husband who was supportive and in seeing these other providers as well and starting hormones. And he he stuck with me through the, the whole thing. My, my kids were also very, very uh, supportive and helpful too. Yeah, and I mean, again, goes to show you're a doctor, your husband's a doctor, and nobody is seeing it, right? Right. Nobody, nobody is seeing the thing right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, and and it's funny when you think about working with family members and people you love that it, some things you only realize in retrospect. For example, um, I, I have a relative who was always the sweetest, kindest person you would ever want to know. Never got ruffled, always so accommodating, and then she wouldn't. <laughs> if I had known any better, I could have connected the dots and figured out that she was in perimenopause and understood her better. Instead, I thought she just stopped caring. I thought, you know, I mean, her filter fell off. I mean, anything that went through her head came out her mouth, and and it was never going back. <laughs> it was it was hard to reset my understanding of what our relationship was. Mm-hmm. She was just in perimenopause. She was go- it took me going through it to understand why she reacted the way she did at the time. It was funny because now uh, when she was finally in full menopause, she never completely went back to that sweet non-combative person. I I, I actually think she's who she was always meant to be and it mm-hmm. just took that perimenopause and menopause segment of her life to show it. And I think, you know, I, I wonder if that's the same for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, to- I'm still, I'm totally in love with this person and she's amazing and wonderful, but she ain't that girl from way back then. You know, that's perfect. Right. She is, I think she's always who she was meant to be. Mm -hmm. For my story, you know, because I'm not a medical professional and I wasn't aware of how severely my body was going to change during perimenopause, I I pretty much just kept it to myself. Uh, Hot flashes, that was something that were understood. You know, my family made jokes about mama's ice cape and see the hot flash episode if you Mm want to hear that story. That was fine because it was funny and my face was red and everything, but I didn't tell them about the brain fog. I didn't tell them about forgetting my pin at the grocery store when I was trying to check out. I didn't tell them about forgetting my address. <laughs> Those were mm-hmm. too scary, you know? I, I attributed my mood fluctuations not to perimenopause, but to COVID and having a house full of adults around all the time. I mean, I'm lucky. I have a husband who is infinitely patient with me, definitely gave me space when I needed it, but I, I, he was terrified, mm-hmm. you know? As I laid awake all night and... You know, he'd wake up and he'd be like, why are you awake? I'm like, I never sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, 
the thing is, it was it was hard to talk about because I didn't know what was happening myself. I didn't like the person I was half the time. So how was I expected to communicate that to my family? Right. Yeah, it's scary. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Yeah, it it is very scary. And it's, you know, feels like, well, I'm not sure if I if they if I tell them this, you know, is it something that they can handle too? But I think knowing that it's a finite amount of time, and that having their support is just going to help you feel better, I think is important. Why would it have been so hard for me to say something like, man, I'm having a really hard time right now. I need a little grace from y'all to get through this. Mm-hmm. That would have been a start. <laughs> no, right. But I didn't do it. So yeah. that, that kind of gets us to that part of our segment where we're talking about um, what we can do about it. And, and you know, both of our, our stories, we had family members who were kind of on the sidelines watching us trying to, to figure out where they could step in and what would be helpful. So good for you to talk to your family because they're also not sure what, you know when to approach you and how to help. So it's going to be useful for them for you to be able to tell them how, the, how to help and, and educate them about menopause and how this is affecting your sleep and how it's affecting your mood that you might forget be forgetful of things. So just let your family, partners, and healthcare providers know. And know that it'll eventually get better. So find your tribe, which is what we'll talk about in the next episode. Your medical tribe of practitioners, acupuncturists, massage therapists, yoga teachers, counselors, and also your tribe of people, of women who've been through it, uh, other men who've been through it with their their uh, the females in their lives as well, and how it was that they thought to approach things too would be helpful for your, your partner. Um, And if you're having trouble getting a partner or family to listen, consider the help of a family counselor. And if you're having really severe depression or brain fog and anxiety, you might also consider medicines, uh, which might include hormones, might include antidepressants if needed to help with whatever the symptoms are that you're having with menopause. And as we've talked about in this podcast, there are many of things. So not just having the issues with your brain and, and mood, but also maybe having more joint pain, more trouble with, uh, with uh, kind of uh, it skin and hair changes that are scary, thinking about getting treatment for those, that will also help your mood to get in control of things. And it can even be something like, we were laughing about this earlier, but you know, it's that idea of we're going to have a safe word, not the, the, not the safe word, like when we're having sex, but like the perimenopause symptom safe word, you know, yeah. I mean, I, when I am going through one of those mood swings or I can't remember anything, I'm just going to say rutabaga. And if mm-hmm. I tell my family rutabaga, they know that something's happening and I'm just, and I'm working my way through it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> do, do something easy, do, do something as simple as that. So you don't have to like, all right, sit down and I'm going to tell you about how I feel when my hair falls out mm-hmm. or <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you how angry I am right now. And I want to stab your eyes out. Instead, I'm going to say rutabaga and right. they're going to understand that I'm going through a thing. Right. Now, some days you could, some days I think I could have walked the day going, Rutabaga, Rutabaga, Rutabaga. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's good, Becca, because like they don't realize maybe that you just spent, you tried to sleep the last night, but you really, and your eyes were closed a lot of the evening, but you really weren't sleeping. Um, you probably got a total of a half hour sleep. Yeah. It's, they, they don't realize exactly what your journey is and what you're going through unless you tell them. And and maybe it is just as simple as saying, today, I can't do too much. Today, I need just to go to my room and read a book. 
help yourself to some frozen dinners or or whatever. <laughs> Enlist the help of your family. Exactly. Should we talk about what comes next? Yeah. Well, next time, we're going to continue our perimenopause conversation by discussing finding your tribe. Suzanne mentioned it j- just a little bit ago. No matter how much it feels like it, you are not alone in this. So join us in fellowship for the next Perimenopause podcast. If you would like to visit our website where reference materials and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenipodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.